Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. This week, we are handing things over to interior designer and BOD member, Annie Elliott. In this episode, Annie shares that in general, the pandemic has not been bad for the interior design field. As many in our industry have recognized, the pandemic has made consumers want to improve their homes. This, in turn, has created a higher demand for interior designers, contractors, stager stylists, whether clients are looking to upsize, downsize, create a more functional space, or even repurpose unused space in their home for an office or even a home gym. The need for design professionals is in demand. But what have these life cycles and economic changes looked like for your vendors and showroom reps? After all, they're a critical part of your A-team, connecting you with manufacturers, factories, and artisans. Annie reached out to three of her A-team vendors to find out. Before I hand things over, I just want to remind our members that our next BOD Live member meeting is on June 16th, and we're going to be joined by author and entrepreneur Mike Michalowicz of Profit First. We hope you will join in live and participate in the conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, EOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like EOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. All right. Okay, everybody. Let's we'll we'll give it a whirl. Hope hope Zoom cooperates. I'm Annie Elliott of Annie Elliott Design in Washington, DC. And today I'm talking with three of our favorite, I'm sure I'm not supposed to say that, but three of our favorite showroom reps from the Washington Design Center. The truth is that the pandemic has not been bad for the interior design field, right? And there was just this article in the New York Times, I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was literally yesterday um, about how busy the highest end interior designers are right now. It was interesting. Um, So we know that the pandemic has made consumers wanna work on their houses. They're sick of them. They're ready to spend vacation money and bonuses on their their homes. And that in turn has created high demand for interior designers, contractors, realtors. But I realize that I have not heard from our vendors. Um, and you guys, as our showroom liaisons, are our lifeline. You know, you're our connection to manufacturers and factories and artisans. And so I really wanted to know how our vendors have been coping with the increased demand of the pandemic. So we'll get into that in a sec, but um, I'd like to introduce you to our audience, if I may. The complete bios are on the Business of Design website. And listeners, you definitely want to go over there and check it out because these folks have interesting backgrounds. I was I was so tickled to read. I was like, wow, these people are interesting. So, so Dorothy Myers is the territory manager for Schumacher, responsible for the D.C. metropolitan area, Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia. Her deep background is in international business and finance. So she did stints at IMF and the World Bank. 
but she longed for a more creative field. And don't I understand that? So she studied at what was then the Corcoran College of Art and Design. And I did too, Dorothy. I don't know if you know that. May it rest in peace. Um, And then Dorothy started her own interior design firm while working with such industry leaders as Robert Allen, Kohler, and Quadrill. So Dorothy from Schumacher, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Glad to be here. (laughs) Good. Um, And next we have Dean Buchanan, who is the showroom manager of the Sharks Stark showroom here in D.C. And Dean, this is a new position for you. So congratulations. Thank you. Very Very exciting. exciting. Yes. Yes. I hope this doesn't mean that we never see you again. I want to make sure we. I get to keep the clients I want. So you're on the list. (gasps) Good. Thank God. Thank God we're on the list. Good. Um, So Dean has an interesting background also, having studied human ecology and built environments in school. And then, and I love the way that you phrase this, Dean, he, quote, sought out experiences to explore the relationship between culture, design, and our living environments. I just think that's such a lovely way to express what we all care about. Anyway, after some interesting travels, um, which you can read about on the website, Dean joined his father-in-law, very brave, at J. Astor, which later merged with Holland and Sherry. And he was manager there until 2017, and then he joined Stark. So welcome, Dean. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Good, good, good. And Debbie. Okay. Debbie is the showroom manager of Century Furniture at the Washington Design Center. And Debbie, did you know that you were one of my very first accounts that I set up at the design center. I remember when you came into my showroom. Do you really? I really do because you were back in the fabric area and I remember speaking to you because I loved your name, Bossy Color. And right, that's I remember saying you need to go to High Point. You will go out of your mind. And I just remember yep. that conversation now, for some reason. That is, it's just a connection. That's so funny. That is so funny. Well, in writing all of this up, I was like, oh my gosh, I have known Debbie for my entire career. So anyway, um, so thanks for the memories, Debbie. We have many more to come, many more to come. Um, Okay, so Debbie has 30 years of hands-on experience as an interior designer. She's worked in retail, a design studio, and she's been a business owner. Debbie runs a design-minded, problem-solving, collaborative showroom with an entrepreneurial spirit. And I can attest to that. It is true. Century is part of the Rock House family brands, which you can read about on the website. But then it includes Highland House, Maitland Smith, and others. And under her leadership, her showroom has been named Century's Showroom of the Year three times with an unmatched sales record. I know. Pretty exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie, we're raising the roof over here. You can't see us. But um, (laughs) Debbie also serves on the board of directors for the Washington Design Center and is very active in the design community. So thank you, Debbie, for being here. Thank you for inviting us, all of us. It's great. Okay, so let's get into it. The lockdown happened last March. I had to look it up. It's so long ago. So when did you all notice a change in your business? Was it right away? Was there a lag? What did you notice? And just raise your hand and I'll, you know, dead. I'm going to tell you because I think it the, that the week, the midweek of March is when everything just got canceled. High lockdown. Point got canceled. 
We had to cancel our Washington Design Center spring uh, event that we have here every year. And as all those dominoes were kind of falling into place, it was okay, we, we've got a pandemic here. We've all got to adjust to this and figure out how we're going to survive. Um, I started the year out by, um, we, we're, we're rebranding in the fact that I'm carrying more than just Century, Century, Highland House, Hancock Moore, Jessica Charles, Maitland Smith. And so I got new decals <laughs> on the window, put out postcards, a whole lot of furniture came in and then I locked the doors oh, and worked from home. So they, it was an immediate uh, situation, which uh, I, I'm sure all of you had the sim something similar too. Yeah. Is that true? Dorothy, did you, did you just lock up and start working from home right away? Um, well, at the time that the pandemic happened, I was with another company and um, I will tell you that uh, working with Schumacher that minders that I know that they closed for a day and because they, the tech, was so savvy. Schumacher's always been kind of a, uh, on the cutting edge of technology. And that website was set up and ready to go. They closed for a day, pivoted. And Monday, everyone was working from home. Orders were still happening. We were, you know, samples were still moving. You know, it's imperative that we keep our clients and, and employees safe. So, you know, Schumacher was able to pivot pretty seamlessly because we were had already had all that tech, um, those tech pieces uh, in place and ready to go. So um, nice. Yeah. That that is an argument for having your act together, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And that. Dean, what about what about you all, Dean? I remember really clearly because I've looked back uh, at at the May seventeenth, which which is when Tim, the <laughs> former manager, decided we were going to close. Uh, I mean, March, March 17th. And um, I looked at the numbers the other day from last year, and it was like of new book doors. Oh, you know what I mean? Going Just down, going down. Really, yeah, really was. We were maybe 50% to 75% prepared from a technological point of view. We had already started redoing the website, which turned out to be a good timing. <laughs> um, we devoted some of those uh, resources to making sure that everybody could work from home. We were already partially set up, but most people, except for showroom managers, didn't even know how to do it because they didn't need to. So there was a lot of training. Our IT department had to be working 24-7 during that time. Uh, but really soon, within a few weeks, we were having Zoom and Skype meetings, whatever people could put together for the showrooms. And starting... I would say April, May, starting at the end of May, beginning of June, you can see the new orders start picking back up. So the whole time people had orders in process. So the billing part wasn't affected, but the booking part, the new orders was really affected. Then by August, we were, I don't know, in this showroom here, we were double digits ahead of where we were last year for July, August, September. Oh it was a pent up just explosion. I'm sure you guys saw it too. Yeah. And um, the, the speed of the rebound, I think talks about the strength of the design industry itself. You know, we've been changing over the years since the nineties when I started and, 
you know, that was a different world then than it is now. And I think that this has given all of us an opportunity to make what we do more accessible in more ways, accessible 24 seven to those people who like it, but also having showrooms to those people who really need to go and see the textiles. Just accessibility and convenience is what this it has been the big lesson to me. And I think we've talked about it internally with Stark as well. That's a major lesson for the industry. Yes, yes, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I know you've been working on your website. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much better, much better. Um, yeah, okay. That's really interesting, actually. You know, there there really wasn't that much of a lag between, you know, total shutdown and, you know, paralysis for like 12 hours. And then, boom, everything started taking off. Were, were designers asking for different things or was it just as though you'd pressed unpause? Was it just the same kind of orders or did that change at all? And what I have seen is that as we are progressing and the showroom was picking up and again, June was like an amazing month and it slowly kept picking up. People were coming in and it was so much fun because they were like in a three dimensional world. It's like, oh my God, it's real furniture. It's not just a, a just not a, a website. And they were like touching and enjoying. And it was, it was really, it was really kind of fun. But what we found is that people wanted performance fabrics. People were mm -hmm. loving to come in and get nice, big, comfy pieces of upholstery and recliners, which I'm so grateful that I have two oh, wonderful Hancock Amor recliners because we are specifically mm -hmm. people and swivel chairs. Swivel chairs, it's like the, the motion of swivel has brought lots of comfort. And of course, anything in <laughs> home office, uh, desks and office chairs, credenzas. I mean, it, it is interesting to see how um, it's not as much for show as much as it is for functionality. And that's, that's really, yes. everyone's gotten to the point where let's make our home our haven, but it also has to be functional at the same time. So you see those kind right. of changes in terms. And um, I did a couple drive-by designs where I would drop off samples to people and, you know, put them in their, in their mailbox. I mean, we all worked whatever way we needed to work. And we did a lot of mailing of uh, samples. <laughs> you know, you yes. kind of, you do, you have to, mm -hmm. you have to be nimble and you adjust. And we're in a um, service oriented business where we are here to mm -hmm. get what you need to give you the tools to, to make you successful. So that worked out. Yeah. And we, and we thank you for that. Believe me. Um, Dorothy, did you notice a similar thing with performance fabrics and you know, luxy fabrics, things that feel good, or what did, what did you notice if there was a change in fact? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I think uh, was kind of obvious, everyone wanted things in stock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is, it in stock? is it in stock? I don't know. I like it, but is it in stock? <laughs> so that was the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Schumacher has a, a lot of uh, high performance velvets and outdoor fabrics that are beautiful that can, you know, that don't look outdoorsy, that can really function in an indoor space. Um, very well and provide a lot of luxury and comfort. And so, you know, that those have always been um, highly requested and highly 
highly, um, you know, kind of favored in the design scheme. So that trend, of course, you know, continued and, and was a big thing. So um, that was really the biggest thing was just making sure that it was, everything was in stock. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I completely understand. I completely, yeah, yeah we, we, we were playing that game. Let me tell you. Um, so have, have broken or interrupted or bottlenecked supply chains affected your ability to meet demand? I mean, I'm sure they have, but in what way, like Dean, has that been a problem for you? Well, you know, luckily for Stark, we're pretty unique in that we're, we inventory broadland for designers exclusively as well as distribute. And so being able to manage our internal inventory, we're able to often find what you need or find some other in-stock item that is, you know, that we can substitute for. So that's one of the really nice peace of mind type of services that we have here at Stark. Um, I, I want to say that with the product mix, the products that people like, and then the relationship between getting them, you know, having an expansive and diverse, innovative sourcing, like we all do, of products from all over the world, it just requires a little bit more creativity from the account managers, the salespeople, to try to solve that inventory problem. But to answer the inventory problem, yeah, every month or sometimes more than a month, we get reports about where all the containers are that are coming in to, you know, the East Coast or the West Coast for Stark. And it's not a pretty picture. It's really, even now, the containers are in the wrong places. There's not enough containers in Asia, China. There's too many containers in Long Beach or wherever. Um, one of the designers I work with in right. Richmond, her, her assistant's husband is in international logistics and she just shakes her head and says, you just don't want to know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, and I, I asked Debbie about this earlier, but, you know, there was this rumor going around. My team thinks it's hilarious that I didn't believe this. But, you know, this foam shortage, there was this purported foam shortage. And I just I didn't believe it. I was like, oh, come on, a foam shortage. So I asked Debbie, you know, like, come on, is this a real thing? And you sent me a picture of the factory or whatever with frozen, frozen with broken pipe. Oh my God, no, it's real. Well, and I and I think it's, one of the things I mean, that it's we crazy. it is crazy. And what's been really helpful is that our CEO, Alex Schufert, had put together a memo and a letter for us to share with our designers because it helps to give language and, and kind of look at the logistics and this is why this is happening. You know, even though you don't have your piece of furniture right there, it's a really big world out there. And all of these supply chains and the hot yeah. demand really makes a difference. And and you have to remember in the beginning of our COVID life, um, there's people in the factory <laughs> that work and that working day to get things done with now a mask and getting temperatures and distance, reorganizing the factories to make it that much more efficient. We're doing a very lean approach, trying to make things so that they run quicker and smoother and uh, without any hiccups and, you know, things happen like you don't have foam. So, right. you know, it's, you just, you just have to get through it and exactly. that will pass and we will right. move on to our next, you know, 
whatever we need to do, but right. it's, it's a very real situation. Yeah. And yeah. Um, one of the nice things is that we are in constant communication. Alex has a weekly video that he, is text to us. He talks about mm -hmm. the people who have had um, COVID in the factory. Oh, gosh. And, you know, it's kind of that reminder that, you know, somebody might not have anything really beautiful, but there's somebody out there that has really witnessed it firsthand, the, the, the terrible effects. And so it, it kind of keeps you grounded in, yes. in, in a yes. world of, of, of luxury and beauty. Yes, know? exactly. And, so and, and what you're, yes. And what you're saying about, you know, it's been so important for us as designers to be able to explain this to our clients and really humanize it. And so, you know, the foam shorted, that was hard and I didn't quite believe it anyway. But, you know, when I said, listen, our factories in North Carolina, they've got to take precautions and you paint them a picture and they really get it. I mean, I, I don't know if I haven't heard any of my colleagues have difficult clients about this. I mean, all of our clients have been like, we get it. We're bummed, but we understand and it's got to be safety first. And I would say I mean, it really, been, it is a global thing. Yeah. I would say that's been the overwhelming opinion. I'm interested in you guys too, but like you're saying, you know, it's really for those of us in the position that we're in, it's not hard to tell you. What we worry about is try to give you the right information to tell your clients so that you can maintain trust. You know, we want, all of us want the designer to be the hero of their project, you know? And so <laughs> sometimes the hero has to come in and give bad news, but make it okay. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Dorothy, what do you think? I am really um, just proud to be a part of this industry because you know, 2020 was a tough year, I think, as um, for on many levels. Um, but uh, I think that as an industry, we looked at that supply chain when that was kind of happening because we wanted to think about how is this going to affect our client? How is this going to affect our product? How is this going to affect our staff how, and our employees? Mm -hmm. And to be able to look, you know, step back from that and take a deep breath quickly and pivot and address all that um, and, and be mindful of those in the warehouse and those that are client facing and, you know, um, making sure we have grounds to get the designer, you know, again, make the designer the hero in the story and make sure <laughs> that they have the fabric or the furniture uh, pieces that they need. You know, I was I was really kind of proud of how the industry as a whole came together yes. and um, really uh, helped to create a beautiful, more beautiful world. You know, yeah, really quickly. Yeah. I'm really proud of that. So. Yeah, I mean, never have we needed beauty more. Really, exactly. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Exactly. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, some of these changes we've talked about, you know, in terms of. What, what the clients want in terms of, you know, the tougher fabrics and, you know, smooshier and cozier. Do you think that that's going to last beyond the pandemic? I mean, do you think that those are trends rather than, oh, Dorothy, you are nodding your head. <laughs> yeah. What do you all think about that? I am a lover of the home. You know, I love all things related to the home. <laughs> And I just think the home is a sacred space. And I'm so glad that, you know, um, that 
I, I think one of the, I hate to call it a gift, but one of the, uh, one of the wonderful things that may have come out of this pandemic is that people are realizing how much the home can be or is or should be a haven. And yes. not only what's in the home, but who is in the home and who you invite in the home mm-hmm. and how those things, those colors, those chairs, those books, those pieces, how they start to inform how you're living in the space. Dean, do you have any thoughts about that? Do you think, are you seeing any any sort of trends, change in direction, not just response to this situation? Yeah, I think that the heartfelt nature, you know, what Dorothy was talking about of the home is sort of like reinvigorated. It, it's because, you know, not even everybody's spending all their time at home, but everybody's really, it's their sanctuary for sure, you know, because especially through what we've been through this early last year, I was really scared to just go places, you know, and, and it wasn't, I had, you know, reasonable expectations of being safe, but just my emotional reaction was fear. And so I think even though we're coming out of it. And I think this summer is going to be amazing and fall because more and more people yes. are just going to be like, ah, um, exactly. and the, uh, but I still think that that memory, that trauma is still there. And I think the beautiful, comfortable, more colorful trends that we were heading towards, I think that if anything, it's going to accelerate Miss Bossy color. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. I mean, our new product, we have so many new products, eclectic sort. A lot of them are very sumptuous and luscious, though, but colorful. And that's, you know, makes me happy. Well, oh, makes me happy. That's music to my ears. Believe me. Oh, my yes. gosh. Debbie, you're in agreement. You're nodding. Totally. And, and it is yeah. home is your haven. Um, and I yeah. and I do think even though travel will be back and dining out will be back, I think that that very felt period of our time in our lives that was a trauma, right? You saw a room change. You saw a room get functional. You saw a room make you feel good when you walked in. And right. so the, all that positive reinforcement, whether it's somebody who's just buying maybe towels for their bathroom that make them happy again, something that simple. Those are the things that are going to be reinforced and people are going to continue to do that. And I think people are also thinking function. Function becomes Mm -hmm. also important in terms of how that's going to be in your home and how it's, how it really, to me, it, 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 the reason interior designers are so busy is design is about function and beauty. And a lot of times people yep. can't, it's an art. They can't put it together and balance it. And that's what an interior designer does. Right, right. Balance it. So it makes yeah. a difference. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely does. I wanted to, to look ahead a little bit because, um, you know, it's been rough. I know business has been great for all of us, but it has been, there's been breakneck speed. There's been having to give bad news to, to your clients, meeting us and then us to our clients and, you know, backlogs and things like that. So, but I have noticed some new stuff. What are you excited about debuting and just excited to get out there? Oh my God. So how much time do you have? (laughs) Um, I mean, Schumacher has, first of all, they have a launch of new product every month. So in addition to the new um, 
products, what I'm really excited about, I don't know if anyone out there has seen our bulletin, but it's been rebranded as Frederick. So the F in F Schumacher stands for Frederick. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so they refresh in that. We have an amazing creative director, Dara Capanegro, and she has rebranded this um, this magazine as called Frederick. Mm-hmm. You can get it on Amazon, you can get the showroom. And it is just, people are salivating over that. So exciting. It I just, really is. I love it so much. Yeah. Well, Debbie, I was on Century's website and I am in love with the Bridgeton line. I mean, I, tell me about it. There, the, the coffee, there were several coffee tables. You can also tell me while we're at it, the difference between a coffee table and a cocktail table. I think I know but I'd like to hear it from an expert. Um, (laughs) That's the drink you put on the table, whether it's coffee or a cocktail. I think it's simple. (laughs) Isn't the cocktail table taller? I feel like the cocktail table is taller. Is that not true? It's funny that, you know, um, when we had Charlotte Moss do a line for us, she had something that was called a chat table, which I loved because it wasn't dining height and it wasn't cocktail table height. It was right in between. And it's sort of like, oh, you can just kind of gather around and have your snacks and your drinks. And it was just a really interesting height. So I think that's probably (laughs) what you're kind of thinking about, but um, the Bridgeton line is beautiful because of the walnut wood yeah. that's there. Yeah. And right now, walnut is just such a species that people are really loving. Um, but they also, within that line, we have upholstered furniture. And maybe that's what you're thinking of. And I do have mm-hmm, a table mm-hmm. here that's it's covered in raffia with nail heads. And so it really, so really pretty. comes into that kind of casual feel that mer- works really well with what people are really trying to get that texture with bamboo and with rattan. And we have a collection that's called curate, which are import pieces, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. such quality and they are in stock, but the stock is just slowly going back up again. (laughs) Um, And Dean, what about, what about you all? So one of the things that we're attempting to do is to be able to give designers more choices to be able to be innovative. We want to be able to give you some custom opportunities so that you can create, but at the same time have the lead times be shorter. So there's a couple of ways we're doing this. One is that we're inventorying handmade rugs in rolls. And then we're able to hand surge it, resize it at the mill and get it to you in say six to eight weeks. Another thing that we're doing, I know it's amazing. We've got more and more of it up in the Uh front room. One of the coolest things is we have a number of patterns where we literally just stock a cut pile hand knotted, fairly thick and a fairly small variety of colors now, but it's growing. And you, you tell us what size you want, any one of these two or three patterns, and we will hand carve it with a border and get it to you in six to eight weeks. That is I, Oh my God. We were looking at the simple <laughs> blankets and we were like, this is a great pattern, but how are we going to finish the edge? We didn't quite realize that they were hand carving it after we told them what size. Truly amazing. That, t- that turnaround's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's, you know, you have to, the, the key is you have to choose the color palette that we have established. We're doing the same thing with Wilton's. You can do any Wilton design up to three colors, soon it'll be five colors that we've ever made or that you want to create in your own color palette, but you have to choose from those colors that we have about a hundred of them. 
Yeah. I mean, you do have plenty to choose from, you know, it shouldn't hold you back too much. That's right. That is fantastic because I do think, and I don't know if this is another trend coming out of the pandemic or I, this just might be people in general, but people don't want to wait as long as they, as they used to, you know, they used to, it's not that they don't understand anymore. They do. They just don't want to wait five months, you know? So all of the the quick ship and the six to eight weeks for a custom rug and, you know, all of this is just, it can only help. It can only help all of us, you know, to have those, to have those options. So, oh my gosh. All right. Well, thank you all so much. Now, before, before I let you go, every show, I think I gave you a heads up, I hope, but every show wraps up with BOD design intervention. And so I'm going to ask each of you what the best piece of business advice you ever received. And some of you were designers in the past, like I think it can pertain to anything, but what is the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Can I go first? Yes. Because mine is not the, it's not the sexiest one. So I want to go first so you can end with the sexy. Okay? <laughs> oh, that's not sexy here. <laughs> so the best piece of advice I ever received for a person running a business is that you want to hire very slowly and carefully and you want to let people go very quickly. And it's hard to talk about because in our businesses, we get so family. It it feels like a family. Every one of our showrooms feels like a family. The design center feels like a family. Every one of, you know, Annie, your business definitely feels like a family. Mm -hmm. And so the person that you hire the reason you want to hire slow is because you want to make sure that they embody the values that you, that is your brand, your company embodies. And just because somebody's good at something doesn't necessarily mean they can embody those values. And it's even harder now because everybody's growing. So everybody's hiring. So that's why I thought about this piece of advice. Try to slow it down as much as you can try to access a wide variety of people, the best you can using your networking, but hire slow and carefully and do it based on your brand promise to your clients and who you are. Rip the bandaid off. I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, excellent advice. I totally agree. Dorothy, what do you think? Well, Dean stole my thunder because that's what I was, that is, that, I mean, but it's real. That's, it's, it's very real. It's, it's, it's fire fast, hire slow and hire to your values. Uh, to and and for me because I'm a manager, it's, it's higher to my personal values and the company values as well. Mm-hmm. Because you know I um, have certain things I believe in. I believe in hard work. I believe in customer service. I believe in you know responding to people in a 24-hour period at the most. I believe in those things. I believe that. People buy from people. They don't buy from they don't buy from Century. They buy from Debbie. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. They don't buy from Stark. They buy from Dean. That's Um, you know, and and I think that that is an important value. Uh, And if you find that it's not working out, you know, fire fast and hire slow. And the only thing I would add to that is to uh, always trust your intuition. Always. Uh, good Always. point. Yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, don't second guess yourself, especially when it comes to fire and fast, you know, like, 
no, I want to be nice. I don't want to, you know, I got to give them a chance. It's like, yeah, no. The minute you think that, <laughs> they're gone. Dad. Yeah. yeah it's dad. true. The minute that thought crosses <laughs> yeah. your mind, yeah. that, that is a huge flag you got to yeah. gotta pay attention Absolutely. to. Debbie, best piece of advice. Well, I have actually like a ton of mantras that I say to myself. Oh, ooh, tell me. More tell so me. than advice. And that gets uh -huh. me everywhere I need to be from anywhere from this too shall pass to be approachable. Um, and probably one of the basics, which relates from business but comes from being personal, is uh, just having a lot of empathy. So you may be a business person, but you have to put yourself into the place of whether it's the designer, whether it's the customer who has a service problem and wants something resolved. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's to me, it's empathy really teaches you so much and yeah. it teaches you to be vulnerable. It teaches you to um, accept responsibility and to attack problems and get them taken care of. And I, you know, I've, as a transplant person here to DC, um, I was a little intimidated going to a bigger city from Pittsburgh and didn't know quite <laughs> how to connect to people. And so I, I'm always looking for how to connect and a lot of that. And Dorothy was on the marketing committee with me. It's really stepping up and thinking big as a community versus right. just me. You know, let me think what's good for the designers. Let me think what's good for the showroom. Let me think what's good for Century. Let me think what, you know, there's, you have to be like a, like a camera. Your focus goes in and out mm -hmm. and you have to, every one of those places that your lens is going through, you have to know how to adjust to it. You've got to be nimble. So Right. I'm a little right. bit, you know, I, I, I like mantras. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. No, they seem to, I, I, they seem to work. Like, oh, I, it's, <laughs> they do. No, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I need a mantra for that. You know, I just need a mantra for that. And, and be nimble is, is one that we, mm -hmm. you know, when you're a you smaller firm, that. being nimble is, is, is easier. So for you all with your giant organizations, that, that is a challenge. That's mm -hmm. a challenge, but. And it works. Oh, and it works. Exactly. Dean, would you like to? I just want to remember how we were talking before about, I went back and found uh, the May 20th uh, company-wide town hall that Ch Chad started and I got the notes from it and everything. Oh my gosh. But we were going through, you know, and so that was a very uncertain time. And yeah. so he's talking to the whole company and he's trying to reconnect the values that we have with this very new situation that we were in. And so I just looked, I found crisis lessons learned. And there's just three things that I have. So one is parts of how we do business has changed so drastically that it requires us to reinvent ourselves. Uncertainty exists all around us. The best way to battle uncertainty is with information. And my favorite is how people are treated matters. Trust plus respect plus empathy equals loyalty. Oh my gosh. Isn't that great? That, yes. That is way to go, Chad Stark. You go, Chad Stark. No, that is that that's true. That's true. And loyalty is really one of the greatest things about our business. Like we have, if we do a good job, we have the loyalty of our clients. They come back and back and back. You, of course, work with the same designers. We trust each other. 
Yeah, that is really interesting, Dean. I'm glad you dug that up. Thank you. Oh, and Dean, Debbie, Dorothy, Triple D, the triple threat here. Yes, we do. So much. You make us look so good. You make us look so good. So thank you all so much. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.